Welcome to Make Things That Matter, the podcast where we explore impactful products and the cultures that create them. I'm your host, Andrew Scottsko, and if I'm doing my job well, each episode of this show will help you to do meaningful work, make things that make things better, and have a great experience doing it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make Things That Matter. I'm your host, Andrew Scottsko, and this is a space where we explore the future of creative work and teams. In a nutshell, this is about how we bring great things into the world and grow as learners, as creators, as leaders. And first off, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I know there is an endless supply of content out there that you could be listening to, and it does mean a lot to me that you're spending some of your day with me. So thank you. Now, one way you can support this show is to subscribe to it just so that you don't miss any episodes and make sure you share this one if it does resonate with you. If you can go ahead and give the show a five-star review and also a written review on Apple Podcasts, that would be incredibly supportive of me and the show because it gets the show in more people's ears by lifting it up on the rankings. I really appreciate you considering that. If it feels right to you, it would mean a lot to me. Now, on this show, we cover a wide range of topics, but we do have a real center of gravity around product management, around organizational design, peak performance, conscious leadership, all these lovely words. And in today's episode, I want to try something new. In today's episode, I want to extend and expand on a Twitter thread that I posted recently that really seemed to strike a chord. And that thread was about how to think about continuous discovery for a nascent early stage product. Now, the backstory here is I uh, was I saw a question about this pop up in a Slack community, a product Slack that I'm in recently. And it was basically the summary of it was was this question was like, ah, you know, I see all these practices. I see, you know, continuous discovery habits. I hear Marty Kagan talking. I hear Teresa Torres, like, you know, on and on. How does this all work like early on? And I, that's something I have thought a lot about, and I have helped uh, quite a few teams work through that problem. So I decided to take a crack at it, and people seem to find the answer useful. So wanted to bring that here to the podcast just as another way of, uh, well, also as a record for me. So I can point to this uh, and have an easy place to find it and point people to in the future. So let's get into it. Now, first of all, the thing is that the reason this is confusing for a lot of people is that most product managers, they're working on existing products that already have some level of traction in the marketplace, right? So these are these are existing products, um, whether they've been in the market for six months or six years, you know, it's just they're already up and running. Now, hopefully these teams are practicing using, you know, doing their practicing their craft using well-established continuous discovery techniques, such as those popularized by folks like Teresa Torres and Marty Kagan, both of whom are guests on this show. See the, uh, by the way, throughout this episode, you'll hear me drop links to things or mention links to things that'll all be in the show notes. So you'll also find links to episodes with Teresa and Marty in the show notes. So the first time you try, it could be really confusing to try and translate these continuous discovery practices to a new product that doesn't exist or hasn't found any traction yet. And I saw a question along these lines a few days ago, uh, as I said, in Slack community, which I will paraphrase as follows. Incremental continuous discovery makes total sense for an established product, but how do you map the opportunity space and how do you do continuous discovery for a new product that's still being conceptualized? And I ran into this question last year when I was coaching a team to apply continuous discovery approaches and practices for a totally new product that did not exist at all. Now, the context here was that the company's first product 
had done really well in the market. And so the CEO had assigned a team to come up with the next product. And, you know, this was not a casual thing. This was considered to be not that it was like life and death. The business was doing great, but this was a, you know, you need to come up with a product to grow the revenue of this company by at least $10 million in the next 18 months kind of setup. And by the way, it actually is on track for that. It, it does appear that it's going to achieve that goal. So that's, it, you know, this turned out to work, uh, which I was delighted by. So how should we think about executing on a continuous discovery mindset if we're at that sort of zero to one stage of a product? And what I find to be missing is actually an understanding of the context we're applying continuous discovery in. What's missing specifically is an understanding of the layers that we are operating across. And there's three layers to product work here. So in any product, we are operating across three layers simultaneously. The first layer is the opportunity layer. This is what's usually called the customer opportunity or often the quote unquote problem space. The second layer is the experience layer. This is the shift in the user experience that the product is seeking to deliver. And the third layer is the business layer, which is how do the parts of the business all fit together? How does this whole thing come together into a, a machine that we call a business? Now, this is always true, these three layers, but in a well-established company or product, it's just a lot less obvious because in an established product or a company, more of the map that is these three layers, more of that map is filled in and we spend most of our time down in the opportunity layer. Like if you have a company, if you have a product, excuse me, if you have a product that's already been going for two years and has product market fit, you already know how the, you know, how the pieces of the business fit together. You probably already have marketing channels and you know the value prop and you know who the customer is. Uh, you know what the shift in the experience is and you're really working to um, make that experience better and better and continue to, you know, grow uh, the delight of, of, you know, continue to delight your customer. So you're really spending all your time down at that opportunity layer. And by the way, uh, there are visuals that are in the show notes uh, for each of these layers, just so you can flip to that while you're listening to me here, uh, just to give you a, a visual for how these are represented. And I'll talk about that in just a second here. So as I said, in an established product, more of the map is filled in. And so we're spending most of our time down in the opportunity layer. But I find, especially at the earlier stages, it's useful to be explicit about all three stages. And I tend to represent each of these three layers the following ways. So for the opportunity layer, I like to represent that by using an opportunity solution tree as described and I think invented by Teresa Torres. If you haven't seen an opportunity solution tree, I've linked to a the sort of seminal blog post on this from Teresa. Must read. Uh, if you don't know this, you have to go read that right now. I considered it required reading for anybody I even talk to about products. So please go read it. Um, and look, you can also see in the show notes a, an image of that where it looks like a mind map. Um, and technically it is a mind map, but when used a certain way, it becomes so much more than a mind map. Um, it's hard to convey in words, but I can tell you that it makes a massive difference. Okay, moving on to the experience layer. So I like to represent the experience layer using a user story map as described by Jeff Patton in his excellent book, User Story Mapping. Um, by the way, that is a phenomenal book. I literally just finished rereading it today and Every time I read that book, it just gives you a whole new set of insights. So if you have not read that book as well, please go read it. Uh, please go read Teresa Torres's book as well, Continuous Discovery Habits. This is all linked to, uh, again, in the show notes. These are absolute must reads. Uh, and you can look in the show notes for an example of what does the user story map look like. 
the user story map is um, it can be used in a lot of different ways. And Jeff goes into all that in his book, but you're really mapping out at a high level kind of the user experience and the flow that you are trying to create. Um, this is similar to the idea of like an experience map or a customer journey map. There's a lot of practices in the design community that are related to this. Um, so there's a lot to dig into there and we can talk more about that. And by the way, as I'm going through this stuff, if any of this uh, either resonates with you and you want to tell me what that was, I would love to hear it. Or if you have questions, I would really love to hear those because I think this stuff is fascinating and I love talking about it with people. So the best way to do that is to just send me a tweet. Um, it's at a Scottsko, A-S-K-O-T-Z-K-O on Twitter. That's linked to in the show notes. I absolutely love hearing those things. So let me know like what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, um, how this is resonating or not. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite topics to think and talk about and work with. So yeah, let me know. Okay, moving on. Last but not least, we have the business layer. Now, I like to represent the business layer via a lean canvas as conceptualized by Ash Moria. Uh, again, links in the show notes. Now, at the very beginning, like like stage zero before there's anything, um, I like to use the leaner canvas by Ash, which just zooms in on the customer and problem boxes out of the whole canvas. Uh, I think on his canvas, they're number one and two. Uh, and so it just really zooms in on those to make you for, really think about like what is the customer and problem interaction here. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with the lean canvas specifically, it's an adaptation of the business model canvas that was popularized by, I believe it was Alexander Osterwalder, uh, and Ash kind of adapted that to make a lot more sense and apply a little bit better to startups and early stage products, um, whereas the original business model canvas tends to be a little bit more like enterprisey, in my opinion. So that's kind of just what that where that's where that came from. If you're if you're curious, okay. So there's many possible ways to represent each of these three layers. These three methods just happen to be the ones that I like best right now. They're the best that I've found so far. They make the most intuitive sense to me. Um, I've worked with a lot of people and different kinds of teams with them, and they just seem to work. People pretty widely, you know, the ideas translate and make sense, and we don't spend our time. You know, we don't spend tons of time trying to explain the tool. We just get to use the tool and do the job, which is what you want. So the key thing, though, is that however you represent it, all three layers, they need to work individually within the layer, and they also need to fit together and work across the layers. And again, see the image where I uh, you know, sort of map these out. Now, where to start? This is always the tricky question because this seems like a linear process, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. It is not. But if you're not sure, Start in the middle. Start with the experience layer. Why? The experience layer is what bridges the business layer and the opportunity layer. So ask yourself, what is the new experience you want to create for your customer? At the business layer, the value prop is what summarizes that new and better experience. And, and that value prop is the bridge between the customer and the problem boxes on the lean canvas, right? It is that new experience that that new, that is the progress in a jobs to be done sense. Um, that is the value uh, that is solving your customer's problem. So that, that is really where to start. Now, as I said, this appears and is presented because of the way we convey information. Um, this appears like a linear process. It is not. This is a cyclical process. Like this cycles, you'll do it again and again and again. 
practically speaking, all of these layers, all three layers are evolving in parallel and informing each other. And what changes is which layers have the bulk of your attention at a given stage of a product or a company. So super early on at a product or company, you're going to be thinking kind of across all three layers and they're going to be evolving simultaneously and affecting each other. And, you know, oh, a change in the value prop will percolate down. Um, or if you discover an amazing new opportunity that changes the entire way you conceive of the business, that could change the the experience you're creating and, and the overall business structure itself uh, or the design of the business model itself. So again, not linear. These are three completely interlocking um, concepts and, and models, basically. Uh, so now, the, even more than a set of techniques, continuous discovery, really, though, it is a mindset. It's a way of approaching work. It's a worldview, frankly. So whichever layers you happen to be focusing on, the important thing to do is to A, know where you are. That's the point of this entire uh, podcast is to help you know where you are and where you need to focus. And then once you know where you are, approach that work in a continuous discovery mindset. So if you're at the early stages of basically figuring out, you know, what are we building who cares and why, then iterating around the linear canvas and the experience map, which are layers two and three from above, that should be your focus and do it in a continuous discovery way. And, you know, if that's where you are, which most people with a nascent product are, even if they're within a big company, that's, you know, if you're like a tiny new business effort or initiative in a big company, you're still basically a startup. You just happen to be housed inside a much bigger entity, but act and think like a startup, which is what we're talking about here. So you first want to understand what is the A to B shift in the experience? Like what is the transformation of the customer experience here for whom, who is that customer and how valuable is that to them? Is this a painkiller? Is this a vitamin or is it a dud and why? Right. And that is all a much longer way of saying basically know your customer and your value prop. Now, all of this learning at the experience layer and the business layer will inform the opportunity solution trees that come later on and go deep dive into the specific opportunities that are contained within chunks of the experience map that make the difference. They're going to be parts of that experience map of that user story map that are the hotspots, right? Like the parts where, okay, this is the thing. This is the, this is the part that really makes the difference. And within those parts, that's really where you're going to be putting your focus because that's where you're, you have a lever you have a point of leverage to change the customer's world. You're going to go deep on those parts with other story maps that are more nuanced and, and focused. And you're also going to go deep there again with opportunity solution trees. Again, go read the blog post by Teresa. It is epic. It is a must read. It is linked in show notes. That is an OST. You'll hear it abbreviated that way or see it abbreviated that way. But that's an opportunity solution tree that will all be influencing each other. All right. Next question that always comes up. Which tool do I use when? Okay, there's a lot of tools flying around here. Which one do I use and when? All right, first of all, uh, because we, we said whatever layers you're focused on, do it with a continuous discovery mindset. So independent of where you need to put your focus across these layers, you should be doing interviews and customer conversations always and forever. Uh, a good standard, I think, is to, to aim for is to get to at least one a week. Um, if you're early stage, it should be more than that, right? You should be talking to customers all the time. Uh, now, wherever you are now, just get faster. If you're at, you know, one a quarter, okay, that's terrible, frankly, but speed it up, you know, get to at least one a month and then get to two a month and then work your way up to one a week. Um, shoot for that and then, you know, go from there. Now, so you're always going to be doing that no matter what. 
All right. Now, if you don't know who your customer is and what the value prop is, do the interviews and focus at the business layer, the using the leaner canvas tool. If you know your customer, but you don't know the change in their life that you're trying to make the A to B kind of transformation in their lived experience, do interviews and really zoom in on the experience layer. So do the user story map and the customer forces canvas from jobs to be done. If you know the value prop, but you don't totally know how to deliver on that value prop or to continue growing and improving the value of your solution, again, do interviews and go deep on the opportunity layer, the opportunity solution tree layer. All right. Now, the last question that really comes up out of all this is how do we know when we've got enough to go on, right? Like, okay, I get it. We're mapping this all out. We've got like, we've zoomed out and looked at the business layer and we've translated that down through the experience to the opportunity layer for the products. But like, how do, when do we know that we got enough to go on here? That's a more nuanced question uh, that I will address in a separate post at some point. If you are interested in that or have specific little follow-ups on that, please let me know what they are. I want to make sure that that next thing I create speaking to the question really helps. So send me your questions on that. But the short answer is we have, we know we have enough to go on when we have enough confidence about how we're going to shift that customer's experience. And we know basically we look at that customer's experience, that A to B transformation. We look at the hot spots of that map of that journey map. And we say, okay, I see where we can make the difference for this person. And we believe we have a shot at doing it. We think we know how to do it. We've, we've done the the product discovery on those parts of the map. We think we've got a way to do it. So we see the path basically now inevitably we're wrong about that, but we see enough to go for it. A lot more to say there, but that's the short version. So that is all for today. Now I am not the first or the last to talk about this Many, many thanks to the tons of people who have contributed to my thinking around this topic, Teresa, Marty, and Jeff above all, but there are so many more. I hope this download is useful to you, again, in terms of organizing your product thinking in these confusing early stages and really kind of helping you orient yourself and figure out like, okay, what do I need to focus on? Where am I? What do I need to do next? That's what I hope you take away from this. If you're looking for more on this, please check out and bookmark episode 44, which is roughly a one hour conversation I had with Teresa Torres about habits for clear thinking and making better product bets. All right. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, I'd be so grateful if you could do me a favor and take about 25 seconds to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me reach way more listeners and it also helps me bring you more great guests. As always, please feel free to reach out to me anytime at connect at makethingsthatmatter.com. And until next time, my friends, leave them better than you found them. See you out there.